Hey guys, this is Russ. I'm hosting a great guy today on the Three Wins Podcast, Doug Hurley. As a good friend, and as you'll hear coming up, he's a veteran, strong leader, both in the enlisted and as an officer. He is, he's a, he doesn't put this out there, but he's Dr. Doug Hurley. So he's studied his trade and his skill has been developed both over experience and academically. He is the founder and CEO of Rethink Work. And so what I value about Doug is that he takes a perspective on work should be fulfilling. And so what we team up with Doug to do is to talk through the three wins, the three wins of financial uh, modeling and planning that we work on with founders, with business owners. When we team up with Doug, it, it's the other side of that same coin. Well, if I put this plan together for my business, this three wins financial plan for my business and my key people and myself, then how do I get everybody pulled in around? How do I make sure that everybody wins? And so Doug comes along with the behavior side of things uh, and does a really great job of why is work important? And then what's specifically about my role and my responsibilities and my place in the organization is important uh, and really connects that to the value of the person. So as you listen today, I encourage you to, to take to heart many of the things Doug says. And as always, we appreciate you being a part of the podcast. So let's go over to my time with Doug Hurley here. Hello again. My name is Russ Clummer. I'm the president of Legacy Advisory Partners and your host of the Three Wins Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Doug Hurley of Rethink Work. Welcome today, Doug. Oh, man. So good to be here, Russ. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today, we're going to uh, unpack what Doug does with Rethink Work, his, his organization working with teams and leaders, some of his past and how he's gotten to this point. And, and what his work does through the lens of the three wins, which such as the three wins podcast, what his work does to complement and to strengthen teams, right? And so when we think through the three wins, we think, all right, the collaboration effect on profits, and that really is the key. How do we get teams? How do we get leaders to collaborate, to, to lead well in their, in their most optimal way? And, and how to get teams, those individuals to come together and work well as a team. And so Doug's got a lot of great insights today, a lot of, uh, a lot of things to share with us. And uh, those of you in the audience, we, we appreciate you listening and uh, look forward to hearing how this impacts uh, you and your organizations as well. So Doug, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Appreciate your time today. And uh, just wanted to kick it off with where, where'd you come from? How'd you get to this point where you're leading Rethink Work? How did you, what, what, how did you get to this point and what's been going on in your life up to this? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'll give you, I'll give you kind of the, I don't know, maybe the 40,000 foot view, maybe you did a little bit deeper than that, but started off, I think I've always been curious about leadership, leadership just from the get-go. And mm -hmm. ever since I was probably, I would say a teenager going into my, going into my early twenties, and so I jumped into the military right out of high school and, and just really for the first time got deep, deep mentorship mm. and, uh, and leadership and you know, just became a student of that. And then from there, went to undergrad, went back into the military, active duty as an officer, 
and I just just loved it, thrived in it. It's not that I got it all figured out. I'm still a student of leadership. Of course, we all are. Any anytime you think that you've arrived as a leader, that's a that's a good time for somebody to be uh, checking your humility. That's right. Um, but so yeah, so jumped into the military, jumped into the army and uh, active duty, and loved it. Went from there into big business, Fortune 100 company. Just learning, kind of still being a student and and earning my chops in the big corporation. Went to a, a medium-sized company, joined their management team, and still just learning different types of leadership. And now in the medium-sized business, not in the big corporate world, which was just so cool. Going from government, you know, military, big government, big corporation, and now doing this in a medium-sized business, it was just really neat. It's a different kind of leadership. It, it was, how can I say, it? way more relational. I mm -hmm. felt diving into that. And it's not that I didn't have good relationships in the military or with the Fortune 100 company, but the leadership component of that was just, it was far more relational yeah. in that medium-sized business. And maybe as I'm saying that out loud, that's something for, maybe something I could have learned differently going back. If I could have gone back five or 10 years back into the big Fortune 100 company, and maybe even back into the military with some of the stuff I learned in that medium-sized business, just how to be a better leader. Maybe I could have been a better leader, right? Yeah. So then I jumped into, did that for a while. Then I jumped into church world, was, was a lead, leading multiple teams in for a, for a church, big church in the Southeast. Did that for years. And then I started my own business. I started Rethink Work mm -hmm. uh, last year. And really it was just, which is so often the times, it's like a culmination of all these things with your experiences and your gifts and your skills uh, and even where you've tripped over yourself and you've learned from it and you want to do it better and you want other people to do it better. So you bring that to the table. That's kind of how Rethink Work got started and started that last year. So that's kind of the, I don't know, maybe that was a 30,000 foot view, but yeah, yeah that's how yeah, I'm yeah. here. Yeah, well, that's great. And, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, just like anybody else, there's, you, you learn things along the way. Right. And, 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 you know, it's hindsight's 2020 and all that. What are some, how would you say, what got you focused on specifically leadership development and wanting to provide that as a service to companies, to businesses? Yeah. Well, I, I would say it's so interesting too, because we, what I love about that, we didn't, we didn't rehearse this, right? This is just us having an organic conversation. Yeah. So neat about what you just said a second ago, Rush, is oftentimes, you know, what we bring to the table is from, from what we learned. And so I thought, arrogantly, I thought that I was a, a, a pretty good leader back when I was in the military and then even jumping into the, into the business world. So after spending 12 years active duty in the military as an officer and a, as a leader, I jumped into the business world and I thought I was a pretty good leader. But the long story short, and to, to answer your question, the the longer I spent leading people and leading teams, the more I realized I didn't know myself as well as I thought I knew myself, which means the more I realized I wasn't leading myself as well as I could be leading myself. And if you're not leading yourself well, you can't really lead other people well. And so I kind of did an audit of my leadership and it wasn't, I didn't give myself as good a grades when I looked in the, in the rear view mirror as I had when I was in the moment going, oh man, I'm doing a really good job. So you, know, you can look at KPIs and outcomes and hitting the goals and the objectives, and maybe I was successful or you could, I could get 
good marks or good grades for doing that. But when you look at some of the relational stuff, I don't think I did nearly as good as I could have. And then when I can coalesce that all together, it's like if I had some of that relational stuff down better as a leader, knowing myself well, to lead myself well, to lead others well, or to lead them better than I had, I bet even the objective outcomes mm. would have been better than they were. Mm. So that's that's kind of some of that may sound cryptic. I'm not trying to be cryptic, but I kind of went on this journey of, of doing an audit of myself and my leadership. I wasn't nearly as good as I thought I was. I did this deep, deep dive into who I am, what kind of leader I was, what kind of leader I am now, what kind of leader do I want to be? And I went to task and did a lot of deep work. Now, yeah, that certainly doesn't mean that I've arrived. And I'm not saying that because I'm supposed to say it. Like, really, I'm still a student of leadership for sure. But it, but I've done a lot of hard work and, and I, would, I do things differently now than I did in the past. And so I want, I want all leaders in business to get this. I want the leaders to be the best leaders that they can be. I want their teams to be the most squared away and high-performing teams that they can be. I want their work, which work is awesome, but I love work. And I want their work to be awesome. I want it to be the best it can be, but it can't be fantastic. If you really don't know yourself well, you don't know your leadership well, you're not a student of it, you're not developing it yeah. and doing that audit. So that's kind of where that passion came from because really I tripped over myself quite a bit and I learned from it. So so this, you, you said the word audit. Describe that process a little bit. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's this, really hit, this really hit home when I went, so I'll give, I'll give you one example. So I went from, I went from the military to that Fortune 100 company. And it was really there that I kind of started on that journey of doing that audit. So I'm, I am talking to teammates who is on this, we're on the same management team, we're on the same team. And we had our salary, we'd get compensated for our salary. There was a, there was a component there, we, we would get compensated for hitting our personal goals or quotas or hitting those and exceeding those. And then there was a component that was a team component. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, if we didn't do well as a team, you didn't get as, as highly compensated as you could if you weren't uh, a high performing team. So me and this guy got into a short story. We got into a challenge over something where I felt he was kind of a sub performer on this one joint effort that we were doing. I'm on the phone with him. I'm at home in my home office. And I'm up on the top floor. My wife is in the basement. So she, what is that? Three floors down, a couple floors down. And I'm talking to this guy and, I'm, and he's a peer and I'm chewing him out. I'm like, I can't believe you did this. <laughs> I mean, I'm going, I'm kind of going off on this guy. Get off the phone with him. My wife comes upstairs. She's like, were you talking to, were you talking to so-and-so? Your, your partner? I said, yeah. And she goes, you, you can't talk to him that way. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't talk? And I was right. <laughs> she's like, but you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, but I was right. And she's like, listen, you could do that. You and your guys in the army, you could do that. You could even talk to your commander like that and say, hey, sir, with all due respect and kind of launch a torpedo at him. And he may take it, he may get mad, but you guys would get over it five minutes later. And that's just unusual. You can't do that in the business world. And really, at the end of the day, you want to influence him. You don't want to intimidate him. And what you just did was you, you intimidated him. And so he's not going to want, he's not going to want to talk to you. He's not going to want, want to work with you. You're just going to shut him down. And guess what I said, but I was right. 
<laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, you're not, you're not getting this. So yeah, that right there was so helpful for my wife just to speak into doing some personal self-reflection. What's the impact that I'm having? Because at the end of the day, leadership is not about positional authority. It's not about, it's not about the strongest personality or even the loudest voice in the room. But I didn't really get that to the extent that I should have back then. Mm. So she mm. put me on this journey or this trajectory to kind of do more of that deep personal self-reflection. And so that kind of started. So then it was like, okay, well, so what's, I could go on and on, but I'll just say one more thing. So then I started to say, okay, what is it, what is it about me and my temperament and my wiring and my personality that would argue with my wife, like said it to her five times in a row, but I'm right. When she's telling me you, you're losing the relationship to win the argument. And I just couldn't get it. Mm. So I went and started doing some personality assessments, some, some just wiring assessments to figure out, okay, what, who am I? Why am I the way I am? And you could say, well, that sounds pretty basic. You could say, Doug, I can tell you exactly who you are. I know you pretty well. But for some reason, I had to dive into all that. And I honestly think that most people have to do that deep dive to really get 100% accurate self-reflection of who they are. And unfortunately, not everybody does that, but I think that I think that's the I think that's the linchpin. Unfortunately, not everybody does that. Yeah. And so and and you know, just just to pick on assessments just for a minute, because assessments are very important. They're very helpful. But when you, you know, the, the Enneagram was a craze, it's been a craze, and everybody's like, I'm a this, I'm a this. Yep. And it's like now all of a sudden people are using they're they're going about doing this assessment thing and then blaming their shortcomings on the assessments when in reality the whole point is to say all right what are the things i do well and what are the things i need to guard against what are the things i need to x y and z my personality my makeup my my pro all of those different things and but that's really so the important thing i'm getting out of that is the heart for learning who I am so that I can understand the best leader I can be. And that's really what, you know, is, is we preach the same thing. Hey, if you want to be a good leader, you got to figure out who you are first and, and, and be able to build on that instead of just saying, well, I'm going to be like this, you know, celebrity leader over here and just act the way that I read in the book that that person acted and hopefully it works out. Yeah, yeah, all that's really good, Russ. I, 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 I kind of just want to echo what you said about the assess the assessment. The last thing that anybody should ever do, and I've, I've actually, unfortunately, been the guy who's done this, and I've seen, I've actually seen this fostered, or in a culture where this, this is nurtured and fostered, where this is okay, and it's the opposite intent of those assessments, and that is, mm -hmm. oh, I know that I'm a Enneagram eight or a Red or a Pioneer or a Driver, whatever that is sorry, I'm going to bulldoze you in, in the boardroom over the next 20 minutes. That's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. It's yeah. to learn. <laughs> yeah. To learn that, yeah. You may know who you are, but it doesn't excuse bad behavior. No. So I have, just to be completely transparent, if I, I could pull the camera off and show, show it to you, but I don't want to waste time because I want, to, I want us to keep having this conversation. But I'm looking, here it is right over here. My seven vital behaviors that I have, I've, and I'm not going to go through them all. There's a lot of it's around health, a lot of it's around family stuff, but there's one 
And it says, be, number seven, gentle and smile. And it's not because it's not because I don't love people and care for, for people and care for their work and care for the relationship, I do. But because of my wiring and all those assessments, it can come across that I don't, and I really do. Mm. So I've got it as a vital behavior. I wanna kind of hit pause and try not to be so intense and take time to be gentle and smile. And some people could say, that's kind of fake and that's manipulative. And I would say, well, I really feel that in my heart, but I know from doing a lot of the hard work in these assessments and, and conversations and counseling that it won't get communicated that I do care. So if I can do something intentional by just being gentle and smiling some, it's, I think it's a good thing. It's worth the effort and it's not being fake. It's trying to give people what they need and what they want. And I want them to see what's yeah. in my heart. So. Yeah. And, and the way I, and when I'm talking with folks, the way I put it is I've got to make sure that I communicate with the, with, with another person the way that it's easiest for them to hear it so good and then i then i have a better chance of getting my message across even though my natural way of communicating it and i want them to do that same thing with me and that's called teamwork mm. right that's that's that communication piece it's so you but you mentioned you mentioned like there's leadership and training and everything else but your the company is called rethink work yeah it's not it's not rethink leadership it's not it's rethink work so i know you have the leadership training and development in the in the, the military experience as an enlisted and an officer and you know large company but now what are you trying to do now as it as it applies to work itself what, what are your what, what's your passion there what, what are you trying to do there yeah it's it's you know we're we're not to not not to date, not to put a hard time stamp on this because I want this, this, I feel a conversation that you're teeing up and thank you for doing it is timeless. Like we could listen to this podcast in eight years and hopefully the principles will apply. But yeah, so yeah. That's, I'll throw this out there because this is going on right now in current times, the great resignation, you know, where people are like, gosh, they're burned out or there's a, there's a 21%, you know, churn rate within a, not a 12 month, within a six month period of people leaving the company. And then there's, there's all the relational stuff that happens on the team. When, you know, 20% of your team leaves within six months, there's all the right. extra work everybody else has to do. There's all the financial, you know, revenue and profit impact that that has. Yeah. But I feel like that is indicative of a bigger problem that's been going on. Gosh, for a long time, maybe thousands of years, that work is drudgery. That work is a drag. And I would say the opposite of that. I would say that we were, we were created to work. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying we were created only to work. But part of, what, part of what makes us so amazing as human beings is we were created to be creative. We were created to be in community. We were created to be in relationship. We were created to create. We're created to work. And work is a, such a good thing. But there's this, there's this mindset and I really feel like it's even more deeply embedded in the West and here in, in this country, man, I'm working for the weekend. <laughs> I can't wait for Friday. And I'm working for the corner office or I'm working for the accolade or I'm working for this title. I'm working for this promotion. I'm working for the vacation. But it's a drag when they wake up Monday morning and they go to work. And I, I, I hate that. Not just because they're spending your, you, me, we, 
are spending 52.5% of our waking hours in the office, but with work is a good thing. So mm. candidly, when I get to Friday night, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm so excited to hang out with my three kids and my wife and my friends and do all that. And Sunday night, I'm like, I cannot wait till Monday morning. Like I can't wait to get up and just crush it. That's how, that's how I feel about work. So rethink work and where that name comes from. I want people in the marketplace to rethink yeah. what they think about work so they can have that perspective. Yeah. So, so what are some of the ways that you, that you help teams and leaders and businesses kind of go through that process? Yeah. Well, first thing, going back to the word audit, and it's funny, we've said that word like four or five times, and that's not one of my go-to words, but, but we'll use it is, is to do an audit or do an inventory. If a team if a team is, has any kind of pain or a business has any kind of pain, so it could be, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling some disconnect or we're not, we don't have good harmony or whatever that is with, within the leadership team, you know, Doug, would you and Rethink Work and, and your, your folks come on in? It could be that leadership team. It could be the team itself. A lot of times it's those typical KPIs or whatever the dashboards is, hey, we have not hit our targets in the last, in the last two years. And, and the first quarter is already gone in 2022, and we're already behind. We're not on, on target to hit our, our targets by the end of the year. The great resignation, 20% churn rates. We don't feel like we've got good inclusivity and, and diversity within the team. I mean, all these things are said. And so they would bring us in because they feel that we can help them with work. And immediately we go to the audit. We go to or audit or inventory and say, okay, let's diagnose what's going on. And yeah. so usually we'll look at a handful of things. We'll look at the communication that's going on within the organization. We'll look at, is there alignment within the organization? We'll look at what are the relationships? What does that look like? Do people enjoy, be, I mean, just a simple question. Do people enjoy working with each other? We'll look at the execution that's happening. Like, are you executing on the goals and the plan that you have? Do you even have a business plan? Because 50% of businesses don't even have a business plan, which yeah. that sounds baffling, but the data shows that's, that's true. And then capacity. Do you have the capacity as a team to do what you want to do and the work you want to do? So we'll come in and we'll do that audit and do that inventory. And unfortunately, fortunately for the business, because that's what I do, unfortunately for the, the client that we're going into, it's usually a myriad of issues in each of those five things that I just talked about. Yeah. And so once we do that audit, we said, okay, let's jump in and let's figure out how do we, how do we make that better? Yeah. And, and, but you're not just working with the, the teams at the top. You may start there. That may be a part of the process, but you can go all the way through the organization, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, and I would say, which, and I've made this mistake before, I made it as a, as a senior executive, executive member out there in the marketplace or, or working for the church. I've made this mis mistake before thinking, man, let's just really get this, let's crush it as a senior management team, as a senior leadership team, we'll figure this out. And once we do, whether it's an outside agency, outside consultant, whatever we're doing, once we get this figured out, then we can have this permeate the rest of the organization. But Usually what happens is whatever remedy that you're bringing to that senior management team and that executive team, once you go through that process, whether it's a one day workshop or, or whatever, or some assessment, whatever it is, you go back to your basic blocking and tackling 
of doing your job and it doesn't permeate the organization. So to your points, without getting too exhaustive with my response, you have got to be thinking about what you're doing to come in there and fix the things that you feel like are broken within those five components I talked about, that it truly is permeating the, the organization. So I would say at a minimum, and you and I have talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I would say at a minimum, find out what your magic number is for your business when it comes to key leaders. So we'll just, I'll use an example. And I'm making this up as I, I mean, not making it up, but I'm just uh, coming up with an example. So let's say there's a family owned business, 200 person company, you know, $65 million a year in revenue. And you've got four, uh, five people on the executive team. And then you've got five business units there. I would say, what's your magic number? The people who are truly leading business, the business revenue driving components or, or teams, departments within your organization. It's not just the five executives. Who are the people leading those departments and maybe a couple other critical key leaders? And let's say after we ask that question the right way, they come back and they're like 14 people say, okay, though that's the magic number. Let's get those 14 in and let's do a deep dive so they yeah. can fully know themselves, yeah. become really aware yeah. of who they are yeah. so that they can then go not just lead themselves, but lead the other hundred and what's the math on that? 186 direct reports within the company, but you got at least not just the executive team, at least get that magic number, those 14, and really get them bought in and help them deeply know themselves, deeply know the business, deeply equip them so that they can then go transform the other 184, 86 that are in the company. Yeah. And, and you know, what I'm thinking through there is, is sometimes, especially when they're, you know, businesses that size is that there's a founder you know, leading, leading the way entrepreneur who started the business and maybe they lead the team or whoever, you know, even if it's an informal leadership team and there's, there's this, I think you alluded to it a little bit ago. There's this, it's really, it's really a lie. We tell ourselves that we can do it. Like we can, I'm in a leadership position, so I should be able to teach them how to lead. And it's not untrue, right? It, it's not a full lie because yes, what you know, the tools that you do have, but in order to, and just talking about the three wins a little bit, we, we set up these, we set up these financial, these financial models that we call the three wins financial models. And, and, you know, it has to do with the shareholder, the company and the key leaders. And so this it's, you want to be able to say, yes, we can go achieve those things, but it takes a high level of collaboration. So it's not just the, what can you teach someone, but it's what are the, you know, do you actually know what you can't teach them that they need to know in oh. order to then, in order then to collaborate really well. And that to me is the, the biggest thing about, you know, when we work with founders, they may be strong leaders, but they're missing pieces. And so if they don't know what their missing pieces are and, and understand how to go find them, find the missing pieces and the other leaders around the table, right? It's not just CFO expertise, it's leadership style and profile. That to me is one of the exciting things I've heard you talk about, fitting those people together so they complement one another. Uh, 
and they can understand that. So talk a little bit about how that works, how you, how you build kind of the you university, right? You learn all about yourself and then you learn how to, you know, blend in well with other people around the table. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'd love to, love to tee up. This came to mind as you were saying that I haven't read this book forever. It's called The E-Myth. And I can't, yeah. even remember, I can't even remember who wrote it, but I've read it like two or three times and it was years ago, but, but it was so compelling to me that I remember the three main things. So when somebody goes out and they launch a business, this is really kind of dovetailing into what you're talking about, like as a, as yeah. a case study, you'll have somebody who's like, oh, the entrepreneur, but really to run a business, there's three, there's three things you need to do well, and that right. needs to function well for your business to be great and even survive. Cause I think it's, 85% plus of new businesses that launch, yeah. it, they fold within the first 12 months because they're not, they're not cooking on all cylinders with these three things. So yeah. one is kind of that high level visionary creative type, you know, that's, that's thinking, well, I'm going to go blaze a trail. Let's come along and join me as I launch this startup. And so yeah. there's that, that, that piece and that's yeah. truly the entrepreneur piece. The middle piece is the management piece. How do I lead where we're, as we go into this new frontier and kind of manage the business and be able to do that from a realistic perspective? This isn't about just chasing dreams down. Like we actually need to function and manage the business. And then the third piece is being the, the tactician or being the subject matter expert. And the thing is, and to your, to your point is that's a unicorn to find somebody who is a, a ninja at all three of those, like that yeah. just, that just yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. And you may even, you may even be good at, you know, really good at two of the three, but you're probably not ever going to find somebody or rarely that's really good at three of the three. And even, let's just say this, let's just say even you're good at, at two of the three, but you're not great at the two that you're good at. You're, you're really good at one and you're, and you're, you know, good at the other and you're abysmal at the third one why wouldn't you want to bring somebody in who's a superstar you know and the one that you're just good at so so what does that look like tying that to it does you know one of the things that that, that legacy does that you do and that, that we've partnered together on is around the grade eight workshops and and that's and going into we could talk about this for a long time but i'll just use i'll just use one and it's really understanding humility. It comes back to what we talked about 10, 15 minutes ago when we first started this uh, podcast. And it's that humility component. And it's not putting yourself down. It's understanding that piece that you are good at, which could be 5% of the business. And then looking at the other 95% and say, who do I need to bring on with their skills and their, their God-giving, you know, their gifts and their experience and their wisdom and their chemistry fit for the team. Yeah. The other superstars I bring on and their area of superhero-ness or superstardom to fill that 95% that I can't do because I can't do it all. That's a crazy ego to think that you can do it all. But bring in that surrounding cast, supporting cast yeah. that can do it with you. And then not only is the business going to take off and be the best that it can be, but you're not going to get worn out thinking that you've got to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes straight back to work. You know, if you, if you like working hundred hours a week, then you gotta, you gotta work life balance problem. I mean, it, it, that's it. And, and let me rephrase that. 
you may really like working 100 hours a week, but you can't, right? And 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 not you can't have a work life balance and work 100 hours a week. You got to choose one or the other. And so you know you, you may like you know just living life 100 hours a week, but you're probably not going to make enough money to to <laughs> to do anything else, right? Unless right. you're financially independent. So you have to have a balance between the two. It's got to make sense. And what I like about what you what you talk about and what you guide people towards is what's the right amount of work, the most efficient way to lead and to execute on that work so that you're enjoying it, you're, 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 you're enjoying the fruit of your work, but at the same time, you know why you're working. No, yep, yep. No, why? And I want to come back to that why in a second. I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you in a second, what do you, what do you mean by that? Or what, what's that, what's that statement for you underneath that why? I want to ask you that here in a second, but mm -hmm. going back and I'll, I'll use me as a case study on this one. It's not, it's, it's really you being in your sweet spot. You know, you want everybody to be in their sweet spot with on the, within the team. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't components about a job they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to do expense reports this week or whatever. Of yeah. course. <laughs> everybody's, got, everybody's got one or two of those things. Yeah, people could hear this podcast and be like, oh my gosh, this guy isn't living in the real world. There's there's things that we do that we have to do that we don't want to do in our work. I get I get that. I'm talking about are where you're living, you visit the drudgery, but where you're living in your job for 70, 80% of what you do throughout a 40 to 50 hour work week, is it giving you life? And do you feel like you're emptying your cup into the business, into the world, into your team for how God is or how God has made you or how you feel like you're wired? You know, if you're if there's somebody listening who's not a believer, just what are you good at and what do you enjoy? And are you deploying yeah. that out there into the world? So I'll use me as an example. This is a super short story. When I got to the medium sized business, I joined the management team. There were three teams I was leading the two biggest two, two sales teams, separate sales teams with all the sales directors and then the marketing team. I did that for about a year. And then the, the COO came to me and said, hey, thinking about clipping the marketing piece off from you. And here's why. You can do it. You're good. It kind of goes back to the E-Myth book. You're good at it. You're just not great at it. You're so great at managing sales teams and all the sales directors. Yeah. And if we clip this off, we feel like you're going to fly. Candidly, it hurt my ego a bit. Like I'm like, man, I can manage three teams and I can do this. As soon as they clipped that off, man, heart teams just took off and we crushed the numbers. It was the best thing that could have happened to the organization for the business, but it was the best thing that could happen for me because now I wasn't doing this focused on trying to figure out marketing when that's not really what I love and what I'm good at. And I just focused on what I love and it was, it was humbling in a humbling way at first. And then it was, it was liberating for me just to be doing that. So anyways, that was kind of a rant, but I want to come back to you. So when you say knowing the why to what you're doing, what does that, what does that mean for you? Why for work? What, why you're, why are you, why is Russ working and doing what he's doing? Yeah. Well, so let me put it in a couple of buckets. My worldview tells me that work is good. And I don't, I don't care if you're, I don't care if you, you know, have a, you know, income of a million dollars a month, right? I don't care. 
Doesn't matter if it's $10 million a month. Work is good, right? It's what, it's what at least I believe we were created to do, right? We're not, sit, we're not just sitting there twiddling our thumbs and, and you know, looking at their phones all day or watching movies or goofing off or even golf, right? At some point, it ceases to be relaxation and leisure, right? You have to move into what am I contributing to those around me? And so that's what I, when I talk about work, what am I contributing to those around me? And what am I able to do? Now, if you need a job for a paycheck, right? You're not financially independent. Sometimes you have work that you do that you really enjoy and you connect with. Sometimes you don't. Everybody's been through that period of life where, man, I just don't really enjoy my job and I don't know what's next, but I, I know that I don't enjoy it. The, the key for what I'm hearing you say is finding those people who don't know how to get to what's next or the organization has, is in a funk where it, it, they've got people who they like what they do, but not really how they're doing it right now. Maybe the teamwork dynamic or whatever it is and working through that process with those folks. But for me, when I talk about work, it's contributing to something that's purposeful and it benefits everybody around me when I'm doing it. And so that's kind of that, that, you know, that understanding of what I mean by work, but the why is, you know, every time I think about it, I go back to Simon Sinek and, and, you know, I don't, you know, it's a good book. We'll put the link to the book in the description of the video, but yeah. Simon Sinek start with why is a, is just a really strong argument for understanding why you're working. Now you may go and do a job and it's like, you know, I don't really, I don't really, it's just a job, right? And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, working in a, in a weekly trash pickup crew. It doesn't matter if you're digging ditches. I've dug enough ditches in my life to know what it connects to, right? Whether it's providing for you or working towards a dream or working towards some other goal or working, right? There's, there's work in and of itself is good. You don't always have to love what you're doing if it's moving you in a certain direction to something you care about and is your bigger why. But what, what, you're, what you're doing is got to connect to something. You can't just do anything and it, and it be fulfilling, mm. life fulfilling. Mm. And so, you know, different people talk about, you know, the why. And, you know, fortunately for me, and I think very much so for you, and we encourage everybody that's listening to, to kind of go through that thought process. But, you know, my why is to be able to say, hey, we're going to get, we're going to get this whole three wins, grade eight in the collaboration effect on profits. We're going to get that message into as many organizations as possible because it will result in healthier organizations and into businesses, entities. That's the way that, that, that it's what runs the, the country, yeah. right? And it, that's what moves things forward. And so to the degree that I can contribute to healthy organizations, and these understanding of, of working with business owners specifically to help their organization be su successful beyond them, 
Yeah. Right. That's that's something that really you know energizes me and gets me up, like you said, on a Monday morning and say, how am I going to go do that today? Yeah. How am I going to how am I going to work through that process today? The what that we do at Legacy is it, I don't start with the what, yeah. you know, going back to Simon, say, I don't start with the what, you know, at Apple, we don't they don't say we sell computers. Right. They sell something. Compl- they don't ever talk. They're nice computers. They're nice gadgets, <laughs> nice things. Right. But yeah. the MP3 player existed for a long time before they came out with the iPod right. because they didn't sell iPods. They sold X. Right. Yeah. They sold their Y. And that's yeah. what's really that's what's really you know impactful to me is be able to sit down. And and that's why, you know, I don't know if I'll always be in this position where I'm as closely connected to my work as I am right now. But, but once you, you get to a point where you can understand it, yeah. there's a value that you place on it and you want it, you, you want your work to connect back to, you want your work to connect back to, and, and, you know, the ultimate why is, you know, those are all really good things, but the ultimate why is, I think that, you know, part of my platform and talking about the three wins and everything else, there's an eternal perspective that, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, that's the most valuable thing that anybody can communicate. And so, you know, not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody, you know, may share the same worldview and perspective as I do. And I know you do as well, but at the end of the day, there's a, it, there's a whole lot more to how we spend our time and energy and resources and how we employ our strengths, our personal makeup and our strengths, our aptitude, our, our ability to contribute to a worthwhile cause. There's so much to it. And that's really what excites me about your, your perspective. Because there's a lot of leadership coaches out there, executive coaches, and, and, but there, it's, it's hard to hold on to what they're really talking about other than their license to deliver assessments. You know, it, it, what's, what's, what's tangible, tangible about what you're talking about is, Hey, we want you to work at your optimum level, not just for the company's sake, but for your own sake. Yeah. And that will, that will enable you to lead well with other people. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. And that's what I like about that. But anyway, that's the long answer to your short question. Hope that helped. No, it's, it's super, it's, it's super helpful. And, and it just reminds me, you know, going back to like God's perspective. And if you're listening to this and you're not a believer, don't check out of this because there's just a great principle to apply. But if you think about creation in the beginning of, of what's captured in the Bible about God taking Adam and Eve and put them in the middle of the garden to work it and take care of it. And think of a garden. A garden is meant meant to be cultivated and to grow. So they're given this to steward and to manage and to lead and to to cultivate. And and so you want to grow that, but they're working it, which is a good thing. And then if you go to the last, the 66, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it talks about they went from a garden to this huge, amazing city that comes down, the new heaven and the new, new earth combined in this huge, amazing, bountiful city. And it went from a garden to this big city. So if you're not a believer, the, the point is just the greatness and how we're purposed as human beings to, to jump into something 
to manage it, to steward it, to grow it, to cultivate it, and to make it better. That's what I love about the God piece and the work piece in business. It's not meant to just manage it and keep it exactly where it is. We want to grow it and make it even better. So tying that back to the three wins and the grade eight, it's, you know, from a legacy perspective for a business owner, or even just for a key leader, even just even an employee within that business to think about those two pieces, the three wins and how we're going to financially steward and grow this. So it has a legacy well beyond any of the people that are currently within that organization working in it. And then the other piece, the grade eight is how are we going to do that out, outside of the financial piece? How are we going to develop and form the leadership and the culture of this business and fuse those two things together? It's, it's like, it makes work amazing. And so, you know, kind of the high level vision statement that I have for rethink work is I want renewed businesses, renewed organizations and the way that they think to be inspiring the business world. This is my BHAG my big, holy, audacious goal, inspiring the business world world to rethink the way they think about work, which lines up with everything you and I just said, Rush, to rethink the way they think about work where everybody has flourishing purpose. So going back to that example of that company of 200 people, it's not just the five executive members. It's not just the 14 key leaders within that organization. I want everybody in that 200 person, person company to be like, man, I am I got wind in my sail. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. These are my strengths. These are my gifts. I'm aligned. I'm aligned with the culture and the leadership and the values and the virtues of this organization. And we're all moving together holistically to grow it, to make it better, and to have it be a legacy. That's that's the dream for yeah. work. And that's really, you know, the 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 ideal situation. And people have you know, we talk about, you know, through the lens of what we do with the grade eight that, you know, that you, you want to build the collaboration effect on profits. And that's, that's, you know, through the lens of the business, right? What are, what are you coming into this team? How can we develop you? How can we build you up? How can we get you to collaborate well with the people around the table? But if done correctly, the investment that the company makes into the leaders and throughout the organization, it is the, the, the compounding interest is applied to their families. And so you don't have somebody that shows up at work and acts one way and goes home and acts a completely different way, right? Because that's just phony. That's just doing it because the boss said, oh, well, I've got to go through this training and I've got to go do, through the, this and I got to play well with everybody or I'll get in trouble, right? Or something, 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 something where I won't get my bonus or I won't get all the so, but what you want to, what we, what we aim to create is, is life change, right? Self-awareness, life change. And even though we talk about, you know, the collaboration effect on profits, the, the actual numbers of the organization, and just because we talk about, you know, we talk about <laughs> the, the way we, you know, the creative for purposing and, and work and being diligent and knowing yourself and, and growing, those aren't soft deliverables, right? They are connected to a hard and fast, this is our vision, and it's financially based. We're structuring with real numbers, right? We're not soft in this. It's not like we'll just all get along kumbaya and, and hold hands and we'll all have a lot, of, a lot of fun. No, there is a hard line of performance 
And when everybody performs at that level, there is a financial benefit on the other side of it, right? You still have to have that, but it's missed if you just focused on it. It's missed, the, the, the value is missed in what it does in the person themselves. And that's what's so encouraging. You sit there and we've gone through this, these different projects and you see, if it's a family-owned business, you see the family changed. You see individuals sit there and say, man, I'm the bottleneck in this situation. I'm the one, I'm the one getting in the way of this overall situation. And they're able to say that because there's a level of understanding because everybody around the table is, we're not just sit there to pick on one per, we're not there to pick on one person. Everybody's sitting around the table to say, hey, I've got issues. I've got stuff. But what I care about is X and I'm willing to work through all of that, my contribution, but also, you know, sometimes the way I get offended, right? I can offend and be offended at the same time. So how do we all understand that and work together? And then it's just that it's a, it's a liberating experience to go through that. And, and that's really, you know, one of the, one of the most exciting things in, then on the other side of it, there's a bunch of money you can do all fun stuff with, a bunch of fun stuff. With, you know what I mean? Which is good. And then you know that could be, there could be something really that could be something really not just consuming all this money that you're making because of the collaboration net effect on profits, but you want to be extra generous. Whatever your flavor is, go for That's it. it. But and, it, and you it do, is a, yep. it's a tie that raises all. And you said the word, and I love it. I think I said it a few minutes ago. The word, it's liberating. And what we're trying to do with the great eights, yeah. uh, maybe we should do a, a quick, like a quick kind of deep, not deep dive, but explain that here in a second, you know, what that looks like. But, but what we're trying to do there with the great eight and the three wins is it's really liberating. So what is it not? It's not the opposite of this would be abdicating. Like, oh, we've been in this, we've had this family business for 28 years and we're just going to kind of pass it off to our heirs, to our sons and daughters or whoever, when it, and they're, we're just going to keep doing the same thing that, yeah. and that's kind of, that's almost abdicating. Another component could be like your, 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 we had, there was a client recently, but protecting where you're super supportive, like, Hey, whatever you want to do, it's okay. But there's not that focus to how do we get better? How do we really dial into the three wins and the long-term incentive plans and a, a financial legacy for everybody involved, not just for the employees, but for the for the customers as well. I mean, that's good. It sounds good, but that's not liberating. And I'll get to liberating in a second. There's another one that's kind of dominating, where the the family heir or the owner who kicked this thing off can't let go. Like I can't pass the baton on, and they're staying well past their prime. I'm not talking about age, but it's like this is. There's new market dynamics and there's a there's a young generation that's ready to step up and take the baton of leadership, but they're not willing to hand that off. That's like a dominating kind of leadership component. Sorry about that. But you're talking about liberating and we're talking about not just being supportive. We're talking about challenging. And how do we bring both those things to bear? How do we support how do we support the next generation and help them and give them the baton so they can do this and challenge them? at the same time. And I, I really feel like that's kind of a, a holistic, to tie a bow around that, that's the three wins and the grade eight coming together to liberate through both supports 
and challenged. It's not, you, if you err too far on one side or the other, you're not liberating. You're, you're supporting too much, or you're not challenging enough or vice versa. Yeah. You're talking about liberating and really raising up that next generation to take over and keep that legacy going and growing. So, yeah, I really like, I really like that. And, and, you know, maybe a, a short little touch on the grade eight. So the grade eight is eight virtues and eight vices. And, and we'll put the link to a, a description in the video below, but the, the whole point is to say, and it's in the eight or not an exhaustive list, mm. but it's, it, it's a catchy and, and, you know, easy way to articulate the idea of what are the behaviors in your life that are destructive mm. to yourself, to your family, to your team, to your workplace, what, what behaviors prevent you from achieving your goals? And we're not talking about low in this area on the leadership or personality test, right? Unorganized, right? Or, or, or I have three calendars, right? You know, we're not talking about something that is, oh, yeah. th there's different layers to that, right? But we're talking about, for example, anger, greed, territorial, dishonest. What are the vices? What are the things that get, that you allow you choose to allow versus what are the virtues that you have to be proactive in nurturing and supporting and prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And so the whole point of the grade eight is to analyze personal and team behavior to be able to say, hey, if you employ these grade eight and you guard against the vices in your own lives, and then you welcome the people around you on your team to encourage you in the virtues and challenge you in the vices because the team is locked in by not only a financial goal, but also a work health environment goal, right? They want to be a part of a, of a healthy functioning team. Then if everybody is linked together and they acknowledge that they can be led by vices they, and they acknowledge that they want to be led by the virtues, then you're all working together. And so we have those workshops that, that you've been a part in, in being able to, you know, be able to, to work with teams to take them through those, those ideas. But the concept is pretty simple. Do I want to be a part of a virtuous work team? And if I do, if I do, then I'm going to find one, right? I mean, I'm either going to work and commit to being a part of one where I'm at. And if that is not an option, I'm going to find one. What's so, what's, what's so amazing to me, and I think we're bat, batting a thousand percent on this, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, which the, the concepts are so simple. Like you said, they're super simple. So like, oh, this is like integrity as, as a virtue, kind of duh. And the opposite would be, you know, um, of integrity would be dishonesty. You know, so integrity is the virtue and, and dishonesty is, is the vice, kind of like no duh. But what's, even though it's such an amazing concept, the thing is when we dive, when we dive into that, when we workshop that, this is not about 
catching the CEO, calling the CEO out or some senior director, look at all this really junky things that you're doing how to rail the business with your personal in the closet issues. No, th this is like small little things that you pose or pretend that you know something that you don't in a board meeting or or you didn't do your due diligence on a on an initiative, a sales initiative, but yeah. you told people that you kind of did. And it's yeah. just that, that stuff. It may not cripple the company, but it's going to keep a company just doing this, maybe not hit their targets in 2022, maybe come back up a little bit. Yuck. Who wants to be working in an organization like that? And yeah. you can say, well, it's better than working for the CEO who with this big scandal, like Enron or something like that. Okay, yes, but who wants, who wants that? Who wants to aspire to that? Yeah. And so this is where I think we're batting a thousand percent. You get individuals and key leaders, the magic number of leaders in these workshops and they go through it and they're like, oh my goodness. If you had, if you had asked me yesterday, am I living out this virtue of integrity? I would have said, yes. Now that we're working workshop in this, I'm not as hit the target as much as I thought with avoiding that vice of dishonesty. Yeah. How amazing is that to flesh that out with all of your peers and leaders and, and get that out there and then basically contract verbally. Like we're going to do something different. We're going to be a different business moving forward. Yeah. That is amazing. It is, and, and it's fun, but it's also a little bit intimidating because especially for, for companies that have had teams that have been together for a while, or and they there's this false sense of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And we, we encounter this a good bit where you sit there and, and you know, you'll say, how well do you, how well do you guys work? Yeah, we know, we know each other pretty well. We work together pretty well. And you sit there and you ask them to rank their teamwork or collaboration on a scale of one to 10, and they'll say eight or nine. And then you say, you, you start saying, well, describe teamwork to me. Describe that to me. What does that mean? Does everybody know what they're supposed to be doing? Can everybody articulate to each other? And can I articulate what you're supposed to be doing, even though it's not my job and not my role? Like, are we all on the same page? Would there be any gaps in understanding of who's supposed to be doing what and when, why it's important? And then talk about, well, how do y'all manage, how do y'all deal with accountability? How do y'all deal with conflict? And you start getting these examples and it's like, you want to re-rank that to another, because we're hearing a whole bunch of dysfunction. And then they say, wow, now that you explain, you know, now that you, so it's really breaking down this facade of, yeah, we're a good team. No, you're a good, you're a good team for what you are, but you're nowhere near the team you could be. Yeah. And in my perspective, that's money left on the table. Yeah. If your team is nowhere near as good as it could be, that is that's an opportunity cost to a business and that's money profit left on the table every single day of the week. My just just for the record, since this is not, I just realized it's not an audio podcast. You know, this is a this is a, a webinar. People can see us too, and I'm laughing. I want to I want to I want to explain why I'm laughing. It's not nervous laughter. It's I'm smiling and laughing because um, not because people are dealing with that pain when they're going through these workshops, and we flesh that out as yeah. we go. We help organizations to be the best. 
businesses and teams they can be. Yeah. It's, it's what comes on the other side of it. It makes me smile that like, oh my goodness, we thought we were good, but really we didn't have a great foundation of trust. I'm thinking of Lencioni's pyramid of five. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is the next one is the ability to deal with conflict. And really what most teams do, this is very typical. Most teams, they don't avoid, they don't do conflict. They avoid conflict. And they think because they avoid conflict that they get along well, but really what you're doing is building up tension because things aren't being discussed to move the business in the right direction. So me smiling isn't laughing at how they're not doing things great. I'm smiling because when we go through this with these businesses, when they come out on the other side of that, doing the three wins in the grade eight, they're like, how do I, I wish we knew this 12 months ago or 12 years ago, but you know what? We know it now and it's going to be different moving forward. And that's, that's what puts a smile on my face because it's like, that's a whole yeah. different paradigm shift in how they do leadership, teamwork, and business. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I wish, you know, taking companies through this grade eight, you know, I wish <laughs> story brand Donald Miller, he talks about in, in building a story brand for a company, your clients are the heroes. You're yep. not the hero. And so you sit there and, and you know, a couple of times I've been like, oh man, this is really great. But it, it's really just asking the right questions. It's asking the right questions in the right order at the, you know, at the right time. There's a, there's a nuance there, but they're the heroes of their own story. The answers were always there. It's just getting the behaviors realigned in a certain way that all of a sudden they're a team that can achieve crazy things. And it's, and it, and it's helping them maintain it. It's helping them, it's helping them grow with change, right? Be, be open to change because in, in you know six months, they're going to sit there and they're going to say, well, things look a little bit differently. Well, the principles still apply though right? We're still the same company. We're, 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 we're going to adapt. We're going to grow and kind of helping them through some of those things, but it is fun. It is fun. And it does bring, you know, a smile on your face to be able to see that. And that's why, you know, full disclosure, everybody listening. So Doug works with us in, in, you know, our team at Legacy, you know, we, we, we work with you to be able to deliver on some of these things, because what we understand is that, that, we can deliver these grade eight workshops. We can walk teams through that. And, and, but our, our skill and our perspective is really strong in the talking about what our own talents and skills are. Ours is really strong in the three wins modeling, being able to understand that and, and, and the asset piece and, and working with wealth management and assets and the, and the profits that come out of that three wins model. And so we understand they go together to achieve the collaboration effect on profits, but we really value, you know, the, the, the work that you're doing and perspective you have to come along teams and really enhance what we're okay at, you're, you're, you excel at. And so we do appreciate that. But yeah, it, it's, you, you sit there and you kind of watch all that kind of work out. And, you know, the, the, the last thing you want to be able to do is say happily ever after, Right teams by definition change right people change on the team something happens at home it's going to negatively impact the team if it's a negative thing at home even if it's not a even if it's not a if it's disruptive at home it's disruptive at work 
And it can be the same way. And that's just life. You're never going to get rid of all that stuff, but it's being able to be flexible and, and understand that that's going on and be, you know, one of the virtues is acceptance, being able to accept people for who they are and, 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 you know, understand all that. And so we do have a lot of fun with it and, you know, left brain, right brain, how do you bring the two together? Well, if behavior, if behavior is, if behavior is worth looking at to strengthen your business and the, and your business's financial health, then let's look at it. That's kind of the bottom line. Let's look at it. And most people say, okay, yeah, let's look at it. That, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, if we if if there wasn't a strong drive and need to look at it, this is a bold statement, but I believe in it. We wouldn't be we wouldn't be in a quote unquote great resignation. We wouldn't be talking about this huge churn rate for companies. We wouldn't talk about, gosh, I'm wearing you know four hats now instead of one because because people left and we can't refill yeah. their roles, but we still have business to execute on. But it's most of those business problems, most of those are as much a people problem as it is a business problem. So you can't have can't have the can't have a brain without the left piece and the right piece. You can't have you know a great collaboration on profits without that financial three win piece and the great eight piece. And when we don't, you know, we're not trying to make a commercial for that. Like whatever business you are, go find. And go find an organization that can really help you with those two things. But don't yep. just sit here coming along doing this, thinking that, oh, we're 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 doing okay. Well, you're doing okay, but you want to do great. Like everybody wants to do, everybody wants to do great. I don't care what your personality assessment is, everybody wants to do great or should want to do great in their work. Everybody yep. Yeah. And I think everybody does. I think there's, there's that inner drive to improve. There's an, inner, and, and some people just get stuck, but part yeah. of that in, in some people are like, no, nah, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I don't want anybody's input and I don't want anybody's coaching and anything else. But really one of the biggest encouragements is to wherever you're listening, right? Not everybody can work with you, Doug, not everybody can work with us, but the goal is to be able to say, get a voice mm -hmm. in your, in your life, work life, your leadership to grow as, gotcha. an as an individual, because it will play into the business and it will play into your personal life, but get some, some coaching, right? Very rarely do you see a very talented basketball team without a coach. And so who is that coach? Even if you're the business owner, doesn't mean you need to be the coach. Yeah. You're the business owner. It does not automate automatically make you the coach. And if you assume that, then you're leaving some money on the table because your team could probably be better than it is. So finding someone that's talented and that's not just, you know, that's not just, you know, looking up in the phone book and, and looking for executive or business coach, yeah. look, look around and find some, we'll put some links in the description of this video for you to check out. And, and, and you know, the, the goal is to be able to say, you know, I don't have a coach that's just telling me all the things I want to hear. Yeah. Right. I don't have somebody that's doing that. I don't have a, a, you know, somebody that's, you know, just, just giving me a whole bunch of what I want to hear. Somebody that's actually challenging me and helping me be a better leader and be a better business owner all the way across the board. Yeah, it's good, brother. It's uh, good. It's good, Russ. It's, it, it's, it's that whole thing that you can self feed to become a great business person and or great leader 
is it's a myth. It's a unicorn. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist. Everybody needs a guide. And that's not saying that you, you listening, or even you rush, but the listener out there that you didn't do a lot of hard work and have a lot of great strengths and gifts that, that comes to the table, but everybody needs some help. So I'm, I'm in the coaching and consulting business. I run Rethink Work, and this is not a trick question. Guess what I'm doing every Friday at 11 o'clock? Even though I run the, guess what I'm getting uh, at 11 o'clock on Friday? I'm getting coached. I have a coach because I don't have it all figured out. And you'd be like, well, gosh, you're running a consulting and coaching you know, business. I, mean, I need help too. Well, so the I've smartest got- person, it sounds like the smartest person in your life is your wife. <laughs> giving, giving, you that, giving you that giving you that good leadership advice to begin with yeah you can't talk to me that way but i'm right but i'm right yeah she's like oh my goodness yeah yeah, yeah. well with that with that let, let's so i want to you know reiterate the challenge but also it's not the 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 journey of growing is worth experiencing itself and so if anybody just, you know, if anybody just sits down and say, I want to be a perfect leader without appreciating the ups and downs through that journey, then you kind of miss the point, right? It, it's, it's being able to relate to other people who are also going through that. And, and so it's, it, there's something about the journey itself that if you just think you want to fast forward through it or build the facade and lie to people and make them think that you fast forwarded through it, you're missing out. You're missing out. And, and a lot of it is about the journey. I know that sounds very cliche-ish, but it is, it is true. Not cliche. It is, it is absolutely true. If going to the ladder, you know, if you're, if you're going through trying to convince yourself or other people that you've got it all figured out, that is exhausting. That's exhausting. Whether you're consciously aware of it or subconsciously, and if you're subconsciously, you're like, well, I don't even know that about myself, but that is just exhausting. So lay that burden and that mantle down and join the journey because the journey that's, I mean, you're right. It's, it's cliche because there's truth in it. Yes. Yeah. Journey is awesome. And, and there's transformation and growth that comes when you journey. So yeah. it's so worth it. It's so yeah. worth to jump into that deep ex- exploration to know yourself better so you can lead yourself better. So you can, you can lead those around you better. So you can transform your business and your work. That that's fun. That's just fun. Yeah. Awesome. Doug, thank you. Thank you Rough. for being on the podcast. I appreciate the work we get to do together. I don't get to work, work directly with all the folks on the podcast, but you, I do. And I appreciate that. Thanks for joining and, and sharing some insights with the audience today. And again, as you listen to what Doug has had to say and some of the things that we've uh, chatted about today, make sure you think through how do I get somebody, an objective third party, talented coach to speak into my life and to talk through what I really need. Then look through some of the uh, links below and and just sharpen that conversation. And, and, And you deserve it, right? It's true. You deserve it. Your company deserves it. And the leaders that you have around you deserve it. They deserve it for themselves and they deserve it from you. And so just with that, I appreciate everybody tuning in and I hope you guys uh, have a chance to check out some of the other podcasts. And if you want to know when the other one, the next one comes out, make sure you click the bell and, and like and subscribe to the Legacy Advisory Partners and Three Wins channel. Appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. Thanks for us. See you. All right.